Well, Tyler, here we are again for another episode of Classic Vinyl Podcast. I love that intro music. Why? It's, it's a beautiful um, composition. Hey, I played it myself. I know, it's great. Hey, thank you. So you're ready for today's album review? I am so excited about this album. I'm busting with joy. Was this the first time you've heard this album through? Yes. Interesting. I, I mean, just like most of the albums that we listen to, this uh, I've heard this, most of the songs on this album, but I haven't listened to it straight through. Interesting. And of mm-hmm. course, tonight we're going to do Crosby, Stills, and Nash. We're going to do their debut album, self-titled album, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Let me get into a little bit of history about the band first. Yeah, this is before Young came along. Exactly. One album before yeah. Young came yeah. along and before he departed and before they broke back up and got back together and those kind of things. Yeah, so take that, Neil Young. Crosby, Stills, and Nash, they're pretty much a folk rock super group, if you want to call them, that were formed in 1968. And the reason they were you know, referred to as a super group is because you've got David Crosby on vocals and rhythm guitar. You got Stephen Stills on vocals, rhythm guitar, bass, keyboards, some percussion, Graham Nash on vocals, keyboards, and rhythm guitar. David Crosby, he was originally in the birds, which were really well known at the time. Stephen Stills come from Buffalo Springfield, actually with Neil Young, who ended up joining Crosby, Stills, and Nash later on. And then Graham Nash was in famous British band, The Hollies. And that's kind of how this super group formed. This band, of anything, they're well known for their harmonies. Their mm-hmm. harmonies are amazing. Their voices blend perfectly together. And I think everybody knows at least one or two Crosby, Stills, and Nash songs, even if you don't know who they are. I mean, they've been around forever. They're in, they're in plenty of films, TV. They've been covered, everything you can think of. And all of them sing. All of them do sing. I mean, not all bands you have everybody sing. This is... Uh... These guys are all really good singers, all of them. Well, to me, the thing that's best about their singing is how well their vocals play off of each other, the different mm-hmm. tones and high and low and mid. And they just harmonize beautifully. That's the word for it, harmonize. is perfect word for it. But, you know, their music, it actually covers multiple genres of music. A lot of people consider some of it country-ish or country rock, folk, rock music, whatever you want to call it. And they're well known for their political activism, especially mm-hmm. even a little bit in this first album, but especially after this album. Yeah, mainly against what was going on in the Vietnam War and things of that era. They were very outspoken about it. Hippies. So the band Crosby, Stills, and Nash, or Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Young, they've sold over 30 million records worldwide. All in all, they've recorded eight studio albums, five live albums, six compilation albums, and released 19 singles. Now, in the U.S., their albums, they did fairly well. All eight studio albums did hit the top 100. Six of the eight were in the top 50 and four in the top 10. So Deja Vu, which was their second album, which was their first album with Neil Young, it actually hit number one in the U.S. and also hit number one in Australia and Canada. There was one other number one album, but it wasn't a studio album. It was their live album, Four Way Street. Now in the U.K., they didn't fare quite as well. They only had four albums in the top 100, and Deja Vu only hit number five over there. Uh, Four-Way Street, which was their live album that hit number one here in the U.S., it hit number five in the U.K. as well. But those are pretty much the only albums of note on the charts in the U.K. As far as their singles are concerned, out of the 19 singles, 11 of them in the U.S. hit the top 50, five of them in the top 20. But their highest singles were Just a Song Before I Go, which hit number five in 1977, and Wasted on the Way, which hit number two in 1982. They did not have a number one hit in the U.S., which is kind of strange. 
Now, as far as the UK is concerned, Marrakesh Express, which is on this album, was their only noteworthy single in the UK, and it hit number 17, and that's the highest they hit the charts in the UK. And I think they're kind of a through-and-through American band. I mean, when you Mm -hmm. really put together political ideals and the things they put into the songs, and when they really hit big right after they released their first album with the Woodstock Festival and things like that, I think they were certainly pure American band. Yeah, I think the reason why Marrakesh Express did so well in the UK is the UK like trains. That that could be it. But yeah. So their only number one single ever was in Canada and it was Southern Cross in nineteen eighty two. And that's their only number one single in any country. That I could find. Uh, the group broke up in 1970, and they got back together briefly in 1974 as Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, just short-lived. And they were together as Crosby, Stills, and Nash from 76 to 85, and then again as Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young from 88 to 2015, off and on. But there were major problems between David Crosby and Neil Young, and also between Graham Nash and David Crosby. The band had a lot of infighting going on, and it's been well documented over the years. Seems like the common denominator there is David Crosby. From what I understand, David Crosby was kind of an asshole and really tough to get along with. And he, in fact, as of recent, he would go on drunken tirades on Twitter and things like that, which were kind Mm -hmm. of funny. But, (laughs) you know, in January of 2023, this year, of course, David Crosby did die, which Mm -hmm. kind of killed the possibility of a full reunion. Yeah. You know, which is unfortunate. You know, between Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, and their solo careers, which all of them had excellent solo careers, they have sold together over 70 million albums worldwide, which is pretty decent. Yeah, that's nothing to, to wink at. Do you want to get to the album review? Spin the record. And now it's time for the album review. Okay, so Crosby, Stills, and Nash, before Young, with their debut album, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, self-titled. It was released on May 29th of 1969. And of course, once again, you've got David Crosby on acoustic guitar and vocals, and of course, he only played acoustic guitar on the songs he wrote. Stephen Stills, he's pretty much the musical genius behind this thing. He he played all the bass, he played all the organ, all the lead guitar, and acoustic on all of his songs he's written. And then Graham Nash, who played acoustic guitar on all his songs, of course, all three sing on pretty much every song. This album was recorded at Wally Hyder Studios in Hollywood. It was actually produced by Crosby, Stills, and Nash with a little help from engineer Bill Halverson, who has engineered and helped produce many a famous band and artist. We've heard his name before. We have. Now, this was the only album released before Neil Young was added to the band, of course. This album itself is certified four times platinum by the RIAA with over four million in album sales here in the U.S. It did reach number six in the charts in the U.S., number 25 in the UK, and for being American and band, it sure had a bigger hit with the people of Canada because it did hit number two in Canada. That's amazing. I wonder why the Canadians loved them so much. I don't know. So out of this album, it spurred two singles, Marrakesh Express. It hit number 28 in the US, number 17 in the UK, and Sweet Judy Blue Eyes, number 21 in the US. That was on the Billboard charts, but it actually did hit number 10 on the U.S. adult contemporary charts, and then it hit number 17 in both the U.K. and Canada. Solid. And so the band famously played all but one song off this album at the Woodstock Festival in August of 1969, and when we get to that song, I'll tell you which one they did not play. Mm -hmm. 
Now, this album was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 1999. The band also won a Grammy Award for the Best New Artist in 1970. And one thing I did leave out about them earlier is Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, as a group, has been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and all four of them have been inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as solo members as well. Really? So they're all double inductees. But the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame can eat shit. So the cover features the band members, but they're actually in reverse order. Instead of having Crosby, Stills, and Nash left to right, you have Nash, Stills, and Crosby in reverse order. And they're all sitting on an old sofa couch in front of an old abandoned house. The funny (laughs) thing about that is is they realize their mistake a day or two later that, you know, they probably ought to be sitting in the order of the group name. They go back to this house a day or two later, and it was actually demolished by then. So they just have to stick with your original cover. So <laughs> They don't mess around. No, I guess it was meant to be. But that's a little history about the band and the album. Do you want to get to side one? Yep, let's do it. Side one. Okay, so side one opens up with, I think, a fairly popular, well-known song, Sweet Judy Blue Eyes. Now, this song is written and sang by Stephen Stills, and I, I kind of laugh at that because everything you read say it's sang by a certain member, but most of these songs are harmonized. Are harmonized, <laughs> yes. Drums on this are played by Dallas Taylor. This was released as a single as well, but the album version is actually quite a long song. It's seven, almost seven and a half minutes long, but if you ever hear the single version, it's just barely over four and a half minutes long. Now, the single version, they actually cut the second and fourth verses from the first section and the third and fourth verses from the second section, and it has a little bit of shortened guitar section as well, Uh, just to cut it down to make it radio friendly. So this song reached number 21 in the U.S. and number 11 in Canada. Now, this song's written by Stephen Stills, and he's referring to his old girlfriend, Judy Collins, and his thoughts about her after their breakup. This is the song they played as their opening song at Woodstock. This is the longest song on the album at about seven and a half minutes long. What are your thoughts on this song, Tyler? This is a good sample of what the tone of Woodstock was. It's a real smooth, mellow, peaceful song, but I gotta say, it's some really solid bass work in here. I know this song. You probably know this song, listener. You might not know it as Sweet Judy Blue Eyes. I know it as it's, um, you know, you make it hard or it's getting to the point that I'm no fun anymore. You know the song. You don't know the title, I guess. that That's where I come in, I guess. Well, um, yeah, because it's yeah. not like the title's in the chorus or even no, in the song No, they don't mention Judy Blue Eyes anywhere. Well, I think they were trying to keep it a secret that he was singing about Judy Collins. Oh, well. Uh, Maybe not too out. big of a secret <laughs> since her name was in the yeah. title of the song. But <laughs> Excellent acoustic guitar. Like I said, a real solid bass work in this one. And that was uh, Stephen Stills that does all the bass work. He's good. In the uh, intro, he may as well just do everything fine, but. Boy, he's good. And all of these guys are good. This is a really well-harmonized band. They're playing very well together. Beautiful song. What are your thoughts on this one? Well, the one thing you said is great bass line. And that's what I wrote is great bass line throughout. And I even start it because I think Stephen Stills is actually kind of underrated as a bass player. Because mm-hmm. that's you're going to hear that as a theme, at least for me, through this album. Is the bass lines are amazing in this album. And, you know, for me, like I had to take a second and realize... That is the bass that I'm hearing. Well, because you don't have a lot of overpowering percussion work in this. No, not in many. fact, when you said that uh, Dallas Taylor did the the percussions, I was like, are there drums in this? But yes, there are drums. They just come later on. Yeah, it's kind of in the second half of the song. You know, this song's got a pretty recognizable acoustic intro. 
the harmonies are amazing. Like they're going to be pretty much on every song. I love the way the lyrics, the imagery from them, you know, Mm -hmm. don't let the past remind us of what we are not now. I just really like everything about this. The the little guitar, electric guitar licks throughout are good. You know, there's really no drums, like you said, in the first half of the song. But when they come in, they're still pretty subdued. And, and they match. And they do yeah. match. And I, I really like towards the end of the, the second half of this song when it slows down. You know, when it goes in that recognizable do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> Yep. Like I said, you, you've yeah. heard this song, even if you don't know it. Yeah. And one <laughs> other thing I wrote is he must be busy on Fridays because he's okay with her coming and seeing him on Thursdays and Saturdays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, so he, he's got a busy schedule, this guy, but uh, he'll, he'll pencil her in if she wants to come over. <laughs> yeah. Just not Friday. Yeah, he's got openings on Thursdays and Saturdays. Yeah, but, I mean, a good way to open the album. I mean, it really shows their musical abilities, their Mm -hmm. harmonies. And Stephen Stills kind of blows me away on this album with some of the things he does. And we'll get to a little more of it. So the second song is the second single released off this album, Marrakesh Express. This was written and sang by Graham Nash. And it was written during Graham Nash's time with the Hollies. For some reason, they didn't end up recording it. Drums on this one are by Jim Gordon. This was released as a single with Helplessly Hoping, which is on this album. It was on the B-side. It reached number 28 in the U.S. and number 17 in both the U.K. and Canada. This was basically written by Graham Nash about a vacation he was taking, and he was on a train from Casablanca to Marrakesh. This is another song obviously played at the Woodstock Festival. What are your thoughts on Marrakesh Express, Tyler? Um, I love the goosh goosh opening. It opens with the what? What is the opening line again? Because uh, it's spoken and it's uh, it's some foreign language. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> it, it's gibberish. Yeah, is yeah, that I, what it is? I, Just I gibberish. I can't remember exactly what it was like. Goosh goosh goosh, 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 goosh or yeah. something. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I just remember the ending. Goosh goosh, and then boy, the drumming in this is really something else. Uh, Jim Gordon, excellent drummer. It, it sounds like a train chugging down the tracks. And um, I really like that. Also, all the instruments in this, all, all of them reflect that fun train ride feeling. You know, the singing, once again, Crosby, Stills, and Nash kind of harmonizing. And it's a fun song. It just feels like a train ride. It's exactly what it needs to be. And it fits the album perfectly. What do you do think? So this song's tied for the shortest song on the album, just barely over two and a half minutes long. I thought this had a really good bass line in it. I don't care for the keyboard organ parts. I don't like that sound it makes. To me, it's kind of like a circus song. And in a way, it's almost out of place. Harmonies are good in it and everything like that, but I don't really care for this song. I've sure. never I've never liked this song. It, it just doesn't seem in place for me, for them. It, I try to think of Crosby, Stills, and Nash, or Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young as a good acoustic harmonizing group. And for some reason, the music in this song just strikes me weird. And I, I've, I've just never liked this song. Fair enough. Uh, sorry, Graham, but it looks like they probably should have left this song taped to the fridge in the Holly's uh, break room or whatever. But Tyler liked it, so. I had fun. But I like weird songs. You do. <laughs> so I moves on to song three, Guinevere. This one was written by David Crosby, and it's sang by both David Crosby and Graham Nash. Of course, once again, harmonizing. This is written describing the singer's affection with Queen Guinevere, who was an early medieval queen of Great Britain. You know, David Crosby's also said it was kind of written about three women he loved. 
at one point or another. What are your thoughts on uh, Guinevere? This is a, a pretty decent little song. It's got like this slight minstrel, traveling minstrel tone to it. Yeah. But it's not overpowering. I mean, it's, it's not like, you know, some guy singing, they'll come and I'll tell you the tale of Guinevere sort of stuff. No, this is um, more subdued and real smooth. And let's see some of the stuff that he says in here. Guinevere, I guess, was a witch walking in the garden with peacocks um, and drawing pentagrams late at night when no one else was around. This makes it a very mysterious song, a, a timeless classic. This song, it still matches today. And it's got this really almost haunting sound to it that uh, isn't like any other uh, song on the album. But so far uh, that I'm seeing here, this is song number three. Every song sounds like Crosby, Steals, and Nash, but every song doesn't sound like each other. And it's a beautiful showcase of their um, variety that they can do. Uh, some excellent guitar picking in this too. I uh, thought it was real sweet and real, real nice little melody. If and a melancholy song. What did you think about Guinevere? Yeah, I, I thought the song had a nice slow acoustic intro. I think the finger picking in it is really done well. Once again, great harmonies in this thing. I mean, you don't expect anything less from this group. It's pretty much got the same picking pattern throughout. It does kick up a notch and go a little higher and then back down, but it's pretty much pretty monotonous song, but it's a pretty song. And, and you're right, it is pretty melancholy. It's done well. I don't know. It's just, it's just a pretty sounding song. It's not my favorite on the album by any means, but you are right. Three songs in into this album, and all three songs couldn't be different from each other, with mm-hmm. the exception of the harmonies. I mean, yeah. certainly the voicing and the vocals on these are similar. So that moves us on the next song, You Don't Have to Cry. This one was written by Stephen Stills, sang by Stephen Stills, Crosby, and Nash. So all three of them on this one. This is supposedly one of the very first songs the band actually sang together, possibly in Joni Mitchell's Laurel Canyon home in L.A. I think there's been multiple interviews, and a lot of the band members don't quite remember. It could have been Joni Mitchell's. It could have been Mama Cass's house, but they're pretty sure it was Joni Mitchell's. They were all part of groups of their own before, and they got together to do this, and their harmonies were amazing, and people really pushed them to go out and form a group. But it was written by Stephen Stills, basically as a love letter to his long-distance girlfriend at the time, Judy Collins, once again, uh-huh. trying to convince her to move to New York to live with him in L.A. What are your thoughts on You Don't Have to Cry, Tyler? This one's an interesting song to me because the music doesn't really match the lyrics. So the, the lyrics are this uh, real morose, pleading kind of a, a tone to it. But then you listen to the music and the the instruments are all playing happy, jaunty, little bustling music, you know, just a, a busy little song. But it's not sad like the lyrics are. So that struck me as being really weird. For that reason, I didn't really like this song all that much. That being said, this is uh, another one of these uh, Crosby, Steels, and Nash. You can tell the sound of them. You can tell it's them. Very different from the rest of the songs, once again. What do you think? You know, this song had a nice acoustic intro. 
but I, I'm kind of with you on it. The lyrics and the meaning of the song didn't match the kind of up-tempo portion mm-hmm. of the song. I thought the bass line in it was amazing again by Stephen Stills. It's got good harmonies again, like every song does. But the lyrics are kind of confusing, too, because at the end, he's going over and over. I said, cry, my baby, you don't have to cry. Cry, my baby, you don't have to cry. So a little bit of a contradiction there, and I'm not sure what mm-hmm. he means. You know, not a bad song, but a little bit of album filler, in my opinion. So that moves us on to the next song, Pre-Road Downs. This one is written and sang by Graham Nash. Drums by Dallas Taylor once again. Backing vocals by Mama Cass Elliott. She sings during the choruses. Yeah, and Mama it, Cass. And it was really kind of hard to pick pick her out because she fits in so well with them. I, we had to drop the needle back a little ways to find out where she was singing. And even though you know she's singing during the choruses, it's hard to pick it out. Yeah, because she's uh, an alto I would say, and yeah. he's a ten. All of these guys are tenors, and so on the the pitch scale, they are very close. <laughs> you know, this song features some of the neatest guitar on this album, the backwards guitar by Stephen Stills, and apparently David Crosby and those guys were blown away. Just thought that was absolutely amazing what he did on this song, and I agree. Mm-hmm. Now, this is written about having a down and out attitude while heading out on tour, which is probably a pretty common thing, especially from these three guys that had been in popular bands, right? What are your thoughts on pre-road downs? Now, here's here's what I wrote down about this song. This song has that same upbeat tone in the music as the previous song, but this one actually matches the lyrics. The lyrics are upbeat as well. So it's this is a song that's written about what they know. I mean, this is a, a song that's about the busyness of being in a band. And it's a funny song. I mean, they, it's just, it's real tongue in cheek, but it's also kind of a lament. It's just kind of like a band life or rock star life is not all that uh, most people think it is, but these guys know what it is. It's a lot of motels, a lot of uh, late night bus rides and you know, just uh, trying to ignore the fact that everywhere you're going, there's probably cockroaches. <laughs> what did you think about this one? I love the electric guitar intro where it's backwards guitar with a little bit of organ. I thought the mm-hmm. organ was used well in this. It's got little choppy electric guitar licks that I like. It's got amazing bass line on this one once again, amazing harmonies once again. I really like the solo there's a couple solos in it with the backwards guitar. It's slow, but it sounds right. Mm-hmm. It really reminds me of I'm Only Sleeping by the Beatles, the backwards guitar in that. I really like this song. I, I thought mm-hmm. they did an excellent job on it all the way around. There's one thing that I, I need to add about that backwards guitar is it makes you feel like you're on the other side of the looking glass. It, it gives you this kind of otherworldly feel where you're like Alice in Wonderland. All of a sudden, up is down and left is right, and everything's backwards from what you're used to. It's interesting and weird, but I like it. It sounds good. Well, and this song's a perfect example for me. I know Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young are well-known for playing acoustic songs with beautiful harmonies, but I like their songs when they use electric guitar in them better. I think that, mm-hmm. along with their harmonies, really makes the song in my opinion yeah for sure so do you want to get to side two yep flip it over side two so side two opens up with another fairly popular song that i'm sure most people have heard wooden ships it's written by david crosby paul Cantor, who is from jefferson airplane and stephen stills now this one's sang by david crosby with stephen stills 
This was also recorded by Jefferson Airplane, since Paul Cantor was a credited writer on it as well, and it was on their 1969 album, Volunteers, so it pretty much came out the same time. Both Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Jefferson Airplane played this song live at the Woodstock Festival in August of 69. This song was basically written about the horrors of confronting a nuclear holocaust. You know, this was during the height of the Vietnam War, so these were things they were worried about and things they were speaking out against, you know, all so. Now, Dallas Taylor plays drums on this song. What are your thoughts on wooden ships, Tyler? I love the drums. I uh, love the electric guitar in this. And once again, this is an excellent, musically beautiful, musically harmonized um, is a great word, uh, way to put it, too. The keyboard really matches the electric guitar in this very well. And, you know, this uh, this song just really drives home People should hate war. It's such a waste of life and resources. In protest of the war in Vietnam at the time, it was an excellent song for this. This is right up with Creedence Clearwater Revival for protesting the Vietnam War. What did you think? I love Wooden Ships. I think this is an amazing song. I love the intro. I love the use of the organ on it again. The guitar work through this is amazing. It's got amazing harmonies, amazing bass line. Once again, I'm repeating myself on that. Great guitar licks electric guitar licks in this and even the lyrics if you really listen to them are great you know some of the lines that say horror grips us as we watch you die you know this is them singing kind of against the vietnam war but saying you know if we keep going with this look at what it could or would become it's hard for us to put ourselves into that time because we weren't but people thought there would be a nuclear war out of this you know i mean it wasn't it was a real thought that it could happen and sure people were wondering why they were having to face this kind of horror in life for no reason yeah just because you got a bunch of rulers across the world who are insecure about their masculinity or something and using the lives of their young men to bolster that it's yeah, senseless it is senseless but it's good we had groups and people willing to take a stand and speak out on some of these things you know and i, yeah. I think that's kind of what helped spur some of that generation and people to open their eyes what was going on in uh, the war in vietnam was that they sent all the soldiers and after the soldiers died who did who else could they send well then they started to send the other young men they instituted the draft again drafted the young men and well where does it stop after you kill all the young men you know do you send all the women do you send all the children do you send all the old men do you send everybody and what happens after you've burned through all of them there's nobody left to send yeah a bunch of bureaucrats making decisions based mm-hmm. on nothing of course that's easy to say now right because the bureaucrats are not going to be going ever right correct <laughs> That moves on the second song on side two, Lady of the Island. This one's written by Nash about Joni Mitchell. He was in a relationship with her at the time, and apparently he's kind of mixed it with another song he wrote about another girlfriend of his, too. It's kind of (laughs) intermixed between those. This is the only song they did not play live at Woodstock off of this album. This was written during his time, Graham Nash's time with the Hollies, but the other Hollies rejected this song. They thought it was way too personal of a song and just wasn't poppy and commercial enough for them as a group. Funny about this song is Stephen Stills being kind of the juggernaut behind all the instruments on this album for the most part. He is not in this song at all. This is just basically Graham Nash singing with a little bit of backup vocals from David Crosby and a little acoustic guitar. What are your thoughts on Lady of the Island? 
This isn't a bad song. I see why the Hollies rejected it. This song doesn't really fit the album. All the rest of the songs, I can see, even the songs that are a little weird and different from each other, I can find a place for them to fit in this puzzle. This song is a different piece from a different puzzle, and that's been thrown in the mix. It doesn't fit. And Graham, what what am I going to say about a guy who's writing a love song to multiple women? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, of course we don't know. You know, those might have been songs that were kind of pieced together at separate times. I don't know yeah. if he's writing a love song to two women at the same time or if it's two portions of the song. I'm not sure. Yeah, what do I know? I'm just, you know, this, this is my first time hearing it. And th- this is my first time hearing this song, actually. It's a really quiet song, very simple, very subdued. Like, this is just a almost a lone voice, almost, um, almost a cappella, really. The way that it's paired with the instruments, it's so toned down compared to the rest of this album where the instruments mesh and harmonize so well. This one, it looks like they have just pared it down to the very bare bones, and I didn't like it. (laughs) What did you think about this one? Well, you're right. It is bare bones. I mean, it's this is the other song tied for shortest song on the album just over two and a half minutes oh it felt a lot longer than two and a half to me it opens and it's very subtle subdued like you said vocal just got a very nice soft acoustic guitar in the background there's no bass there's no percussion and it's pretty much graham nash singing you do have a couple little parts where david crosby kind of harmonizes with him and i think Mm -hmm. those are pretty it is a very soft personal song and I mean, it is what it is, but it is kind of a departure from the rest on this album. There's no doubt Mm -hmm. about that. That moves us on to the next song, Helplessly Hoping, written by Stephen Stills and sang by all three members, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. This was the B-side of the Marrakesh Express single. The song actually features alliteration, which Stephen Stills learned about in high school from his English teacher. Now, alliteration is, it's kind of like using two different words that start with the same sound. A couple Mm -hmm. examples in this song are like heartlessly helping, stand by the stairway, gasping at glimpses, wordlessly watching, you know, those those kind of things. Helplessly hoping. Yeah, those kind of things are kind of an (laughs) alliteration. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this is Stephen Stills writing this song about his 10th grade English teacher that he was basically in love with. Oh, that makes sense. In interviews, he said, you know, she was an amazing teacher because she got all the jocks and everybody to stand up and read poetry because they were all in love with her because she was a handsome woman. So She had that apple-shaped bottom. So what are your thoughts on Helplessly (laughs) Hoping? I listened to this whole song, and I didn't really have anything to write down about it. In fact, the only note that I jotted down at the end, I said, I don't really have anything to say about Still's English term project. But it sounds really good, though. In the context of this, (laughs) I'm not in the context of it being a tribute to his English teacher, I guess, you know, with it being a love song. Sure. But I think he could have gone a lot more. I think he could have written a lot more about her with this rather than just like, oh, hey, thanks for teaching me alliteration. Now I'm going to write entire verses that start each word with the same consonant or same sound it was a cool effect i didn't dig it what about you i didn't really think that much into it so it is what it is you know i thought the song was a nice finger-picked acoustic intro to it i thought on this song if you want to hear a perfect example of harmonies from crosby stills and nash i think this song even though it wasn't my favorite song it's my not my least favorite song i think it has the best harmonies on the whole album 
Okay. I don't really care for the song as much. It's, I mean, I shouldn't say that. It's a pretty song. The lyrics are kind of confusing and things like that, but it's a pretty song. And the harmonies make this song worth listening to. That's about all I could say about this song. This song sounds a lot like a canary singing in a cage. I don't think the canary knows the sounds that it's making. It just likes making the sounds. It sounds nice and sweet. That sums it up. So that brings us to the next song, Long Time Gone. This one's written by David Crosby and sang by Crosby and Stephen Stills. Drums again by Dallas Taylor on this one. This song is kind of another political statement by the group. This was written about the night that Robert F. Kennedy was killed and basically hope faded away, you know, as far as David Crosby was concerned about him being gone because he was still upset about President Kennedy being shot and really thought that Robert F. Kennedy was going to be a bureaucrat to do things a different way and to take things a different direction, which that might be the reason he got shot. But what are your thoughts on Long Time Gone? F. Sirhan Sirhan. There you go. Yeah. This has a sexy bass opening. I love this uh, song musically. It's It's got a perfect tone to it. There's, uh, it captures kind of that chaotic moment as well when RFK was shot. This song, during the verses, captures the high uh, energy and the excitement of what's coming with what RFK had been saying with his speech. And then you get into the chorus and it is like that gunshot that hits the brakes and all of a sudden you realize, wait a second, he just killed the guy that gave us that speech and the words of RFK are still echoing in the air, still hanging there. And you still have that feeling of, oh, there's you know hope. There's there's some good things coming down the, the pipeline here. And it hasn't really sunk in yet. But during the course of the song or during the course of the chorus, you realize and it starts to sink in. Oh, wait, that guy's dead now. So then what happens? So David Crosby, for being difficult to get along with, he really made a masterpiece here. I love this song. What did you think about it? Yeah, I love Long Time Gone. It has kind of that organ intro mixed with bass and the little electric guitar licks that I really like. The bass line throughout this one is once again amazing by Stephen Stills. Once again, repeating myself, harmonies on this one are amazing. This song, to me, is kind of the precursor to the song Ohio, which is a very political song. You know, once Neil Young was in the group and they sang that. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of reminiscent of that in a way. I I just love the electric guitar licks through this song, and it's just an excellent song. I've always liked this song. Musically, lyrically, the feeling it gives you, you get everything from Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And this is another perfect example of what I was saying earlier is when Crosby, Stills, and Nash have those harmonies, but they add the electric guitar and they're just a little heavier to it, I really enjoy the songs they do that in. So it moves us on to the last song on the album, 49 Bye Byes, written and sang by Stephen Stills. Drums, once again, by Dallas Taylor. Now, this song is pretty straightforward when it comes to the lyrics. It's about a girl that left in the springtime, and she's now with another guy. He doesn't think she's made the right choice, but he's basically saying, you know, if you did, though, I'm okay with it. I just want you to be happy. That sounds like bullshit, but here it is. What are your thoughts on 49 Bye Byes? I better read what I wrote down. (laughs) You should better. (laughs) When your shagging wagon breaks down. Your little sunflower is going to go find another Chevy van to drive her around. The free-loving girl you took to Woodstock needs to get home somehow. (laughs) So that's pretty much what this song said to me. (laughs) 
is, uh, hey, you know, this, this beautiful little girl that's, uh, you know, wearing beads and long straight hair and came to dance her butt off at Woodstock with you in your van and your van breaks down. She's going to go find another guy with another van because, hey, free love is free love. Whether that was um, what they intended. uh, Yeah, that's exactly what they intended. Well, this is written (laughs) previous to Woodstock, but I get your point. Yeah, I gotta say, though. With the humor aside and me getting a big kick out of this guy that's just like, oh, man, I hope I just want you back, baby. But if you don't want me back, that's okay. (laughs) Putting that aside, this band has a really good sound and it's easy to see why they're placing so high on charts, why they've got platinum status. This is an excellent band that if you're going to sum up the Crosby, Steels, and Ash in one word, it's going to be harmony because that's they just sound so good together. You know, regardless of all the behind the scenes stuff and the the band drama, they put it all away whenever they get into the recording studio or up on stage, and it's great. What did you think about this one? This song doesn't stick out to me as being great. It's got the organ intro and organ throughout. I don't like the way they use the organ in this much just because it's kind of overpowering. I thought the bass line was okay. It's probably the weakest bass line on the album, but still okay. I didn't really have a lot about this song. It's just album filler. didn't hate the song, but... They should have switched the last two songs. Um, I think that Long Time Gone would have been a perfect climax and way to end it. You know, and we're talking about that as far as albums, because nowadays that's the one art that's been lost. And why we do these albums mm-hmm. is because albums are great put together, but the order of the songs does make a difference. The way mm-hmm. you open each side, the way you end each side leaves you a certain way, you know, and I... I know people that have listened to this album forever and ever are used to this running order, but Long Time Gone would have been a really good way to end the album. So do you want to get to winners and losers? I think so. Winners and losers. Okay, Ty, Crosby, Stills, and Nash debut album. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. What are your two or three least favorite songs on this album? One of my least favorites is You Don't Have to Cry. Just to reiterate, the music didn't... That's the one where the music did not match the lyrics for me and so i thought it was just difficult on the ears also lady of the island was the least favorite for me it wasn't a bad song just didn't fit the album honorable mention helplessly hoping just because it didn't leave me anything to say other than well this just felt like a a term project that made its way onto an album what are your least favorites? We're way off each other tonight. I can All tell right. you that much. We don't even have one least favorite song. We are same. not in harmony. So 49 Bye Byes that ended the album, I didn't like that. I would say that's one of my least favorites. Guinevere, I didn't like that song either. I think more, I might have got into a little bit of Tyler on that one and started mm-hmm. looking into the lyrics, and I just didn't really enjoy that one. Mm-hmm. And then my least, by far least favorite song on this album is Marrakesh Express. I've never liked the song, and... You just don't like trains. That might be it. I just think that <laughs> the whole sound of the song just bothers me. It's, it's got some good music in it. It's got some good harmonies, but just the whole circus train theme or whatever really bothers me i don't really enjoy it yeah that one i can totally see where you're coming from so what are your favorite songs on this album i'm gonna flip things around on you guinevere was one of my favorites 
that one, I think it was just, maybe it's because I've read about a quarter of the book Mort Darthur. I liked it. I liked the way that they put the sound together. I liked the way that it was written. I liked all the, the music. I liked that song, Standing Alone, but it's not single material, though. In context of the album, I shouldn't be one of my favorites, but Standing on its own, I really like the sound of it, and it just, it rang that chord within me. My other favorite, Long Time Gone. In fact, that one I put way up at the top. I thought it was perfect. That, that song is just a perfect song. Well written, well composed, with all the the subject and the instruments, the the vo- the vocals, it all just came together so perfectly. It's like when you get a really excellent chocolate chip cookie fresh out of the oven that just turned out perfect. That's how I feel about that one. What are your favorites? Well, looks like we had one song similar. I'm going to give my favorites in order. Sweet Judy Blue Eyes is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. It's And a lot of times you don't hear me picking the ones that get a lot of radio play. And of course, you're not going to hear me picking Marrakesh Express as my favorite. And mm-hmm. it gets way too much radio airplay. Yeah. Sweet Judy Blue Eyes, I really like that. It really kind of shows the band as a whole and what they're what they are about their harmonies the music everything my second favorite is where me and you agree long time gone i've always loved that song it's the perfect example of what i was talking about earlier when they use a little bit of the electric guitar but plus their harmonies and you have some good music to it but my favorite song on this album by far is wooden ships yeah that song is not unlike Long Time Gone, where they do use electric guitar. They have a little bit of organ in it, but it's not overpowering. It's just a really good song, and I really enjoy that song live from Woodstock. Mm-hmm. If you get a chance, you ought to go listen to that, because they did a really good job of that. And listen to the Jefferson Airplane version, because guess what? That one sucks. Yeah, this is a very much uh, superior version to the Jefferson Airplane. Yeah, the one thing that stands out if you listen to them back to back is the harmonies. The harmonies make the song, and Crosby, Stills, and Nash can harmonize like no other Jefferson Airplane cannot, and it it really hurts the song. It does. It's just not their style. I like Jefferson Airplane, don't get me wrong, but it's just not their style of song. And after knowing it for so many years with the beautiful harmonies from CSN, it's hard to hear it from Jefferson Airplane. Yeah, for sure. So do you want to rate the album? Yep, I think we should. Album rating. Explain to them. Okay, if this is your first time listening, our, our rating system is a zero to 10 system. Five being smack dab in the middle, not great, not horrible, but just an av- very average album. Uh, zero, it's a terrible album, and we have to burn it, but since a lot of these albums are uh, collector status, uh, Justin's collection, we won't be burning the albums. <laughs> we haven't had, and, but I'll tell you, we haven't had a single zero come out yet, so they're safe. If it's a 10... It's that good, I have to go out and buy this album. But, you know, you guys don't know me. Whether I buy it or not, well, I guess we'll see if I'm a man of my word. But so far, I have bought every album I've been, I've given a 10 to, and there's been a couple of them. With that uh, being said, I gave this album an 8. And I graded this right after listening to the album. But now that we've gone through and done the, the review... I would have to drop this down one or two points. I think I would give it probably a six or seven now, but I'm going to stick with the eight since that's what gut reaction was. What does your rating on this one? I think this album's got some really good songs. I think it was the start of something new, a new kind of music that we weren't really hearing out there. 
especially with the political activism and the music and the amazing harmonies. You know, we'd heard harmonies from bands before, but not to this level where that was the, the main function of the music. This album's a good album. Uh, it's got some winners and losers like we, we rated. I rate this album probably a solid seven. I think it's an album you have to go listen to. I think this album, along with their second album, Deja Vu, are their two far superior albums. There are some hits scattered throughout after that, but that's just my opinion. But yeah, Solid 7, and it's a, it's a must listen, and I think it needs to find its way into anyone's classic rock playlist. So that's Crosby, Stills, and Nash debut album. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. One thing to our listeners, we really appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. We know there's a lot of podcasts out there, and even more specifically, a lot of music podcasts. So if you're listening to us, we really do appreciate it. Please send us an email with any of your suggestions, comments, complaints, whatever they are. Classicvinylpodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, Justin and Tyler, out. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to Classic Vinyl Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Classic Vinyl Podcast for updates and also share us with your music-loving friends. Thank you.